and welcome to episode four of the Dice Breaker podcast. I almost called it the Dungeon Breaker podcast because I've had D&D on the mind. But Dungeon Breaker <laughs> is a different brand under the Dice Breaker umbrella of puns. Uh, I am Matt Jarvis. I'm the editor-in-chief of Dice Breaker. And today I'm joined by three of the team. I feel like this is becoming the way I'm just introducing it, like a game show. <laughs> Even though it's it's roughly to be fair, the same faces. There's only we, are, we are stacked like Hollywood Squares, so I guess... It's <laughs> <That's> true. <laughs> You're going to start like pointing at each other and <laughs> flashing up like the answer that you think. Yeah, uh, Alex Lollies, come on down. <laughs> that's a different show, is it? I don't know. Yeah. You can't come on down in Hollywood Squares because you'd have to jump about 12 feet out of the box. I don't know much about Hollywood Squares. Do it, you anyway, coward. Alex Lollies, fall to your death. <laughs> can we be on a show like Hole in the Wall, please? I mean, oh, is that the one where you have to jump? Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, Hole in the Wall is a beloved character from um, the Adventures of Sir Peoples and <laughs> <laughs> William Wensleydale, actually. <laughs> no, that was the tavern. Yeah. It's also the door. Should we do the podcast? Yeah, let's introduce. <laughs> why don't we introduce ourselves before we immediately go off the rails? Uh, Michael Wheel and Wheels. How are you Michael Wheel and Wheels, as they call me on this here podcast. Um, Hello, I'm Wheels. I am one of the video producers here at Dicebreaker.com. That's it. (laughs) (laughs) How are you doing? Fizz, the Kenku wizard. (laughs) I'd just like to to leave you guys hanging. Uh, Yeah, no, I'm good. I've um, I've been playing a few board games on the old tabletop simulator with a couple of people from home. So I've got a couple of things to talk about, ready to roll. Excellent, but we'll save that for a second. Let's move on to Alex Meehan. From the editorial team, how are you doing, Alex? Hello, Matt Jarvis. I'm doing mighty fine. I've got a belly full of steaming hot coffee, and I'm ready to expel that in energy on this oh podcast. Oh, Lord. So glad you said energy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, and lastly, we have Alex Lollies making your second appearance on the podcast in two consecutive weeks. Welcome back. Hello, it's me. I'm back. Um, yeah, I'm good. I'm one of the video producers at Dice Break here. Yeah, that's me. Um, and I'm good. I'm a bit tired this week. I've not been playing an awful lot of games, actually. Uh, but we'll talk about that in a moment, I'm sure. You say you're tired, Lollies. You seem really perky. <laughs> well, I'm trying to, like, bring the energy for the next hour and a bit. And then after that, uh, I'm probably going to go nap. <laughs> you're running the long race. You're just building up. Yeah. Uh, at the moment, in about 10 minutes I'm going to be like yeah. <laughs> on top of my mic <laughs> I fantastic, looking it. forward to that I think yeah. this week, I don't know, this week for some reason is where it's it's just hitting a little harder than it was before Yeah. Uh, I don't know if it's just the I don't know, it's just one of those things maybe it's also because we had the long Easter weekend and we've just come out the back end of a much shorter weekend mm. yeah, probably uh, Although what uh, is time even? Yeah, I think yeah, I think it's also the fact that we're all sort of realizing that this is our lives forever now, uh, and we will never see the light of day ever again. <laughs> oh, <my gosh. laughs> yeah. oh, oh, wow. That's a positive note. I was about to say, I hope everyone's doing all right out there and staying safe and you know uh, finding ways to occupy themselves. But I don't know. You can go for complete uh, dystopian misery if you like. That's we'll me, Michael. Anyway. Dystopian misery, Wheelan. <laughs> Should we talk about some board games? Let's do it. Let's start with... Let's go in reverse order. Let's start with you, Lolis. Me again. What have you been playing? Uh, well, as I was saying, I haven't been playing an awful lot. I've uh, very much um, 
been a traitor to my people and actually have gone from a girl who never plays video games to a girl who only plays Animal Crossing. <laughs> so that's been like taking up the majority of my time. Uh, saying that, I did play Frosthaven on Tabletop mm. Simulator this week, um, which was good. They've done a really good job with how they've kind of managed it because obviously it's a, it's a, a piece-heavy game. There's a lot of like little bits and bobs to kind of do and move around. And they've done a really good job in how they've managed that. Having said that, though, it is obviously still slower and it's already can be a slow game in real life. So um, I'm kind of looking forward to being able to play that again in real life rather than on TTS. Um, As the kids also, call it. <laughs> Does it set itself up on Tabletop Sim? Yeah. Because no. that was the thing with Gloomhaven is it's like, okay, this takes about an hour to play and it takes about another half hour to an hour to just set up. For the most part, you just got to drag something onto a space and then it just kind of like goes zoop, and it's okay. all kind of set up. You, you kind of have to like... Zoop. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, it's, 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 yeah, as I said, they've, they've handled it quite well with how they've done it. But there's still like bits like I didn't know how to get items or what items to get and little mm. bits like that where I was a bit, getting a bit frustrated. Um, but other than that, uh, this is kind of like actually last week more so than this week, but I forgot to mention it. We started a. I keep wanting to say Dungeon Breaker, a Dungeons and Dragons game. Wow! I forgot the real name of the game. That little known <laughs> game. You may. Yeah, it's, a, it's, it's a small indie. game. You may have heard of it. Yeah. I was like, we've started a new Dungeon Breaker. No, that's not it. Um, Do you mean the game we're in? Yeah, the game we're in. Oh, okay. Um, and I was really disappointed because um, I'm a changeling in it, and. I was supposed to have this big reveal because I started the game by not telling anyone what I really was. I was just one of the other races that was playing. And then I was supposed to have this reveal. And when the reveal came, like, there was no reaction. Yeah, we were like, yeah, out. yeah, they were like, yeah, we, we knew. And we were like, oh, okay. So I was like, <laughs> for like three sessions or something, I was like so excited, like, oh, I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything. And when the time was right, I was like, okay, I'm going to say it. And then they were like, yeah, we knew. <laughs> the thing is, like, myself and Jane and, like, supposedly Lolis were playing your auntie. Um, and your auntie have... They're basically snake people and they have this, like, innate ability to cast poison spray, which is a D12 of damage. So obviously me and Jane were just spamming it in every combat. And Lolis was like, no, actually, I'm going to use my weapons. And we were like, yeah, yeah, sure, cool, yeah. Oh, I wonder what's going on here. I also didn't have um, dark vision, which you and do. And so there was one point where everyone in my party had dark vision. And I supposedly did as well, but actually changelings don't. So um, I was like... I was like, I light a torch. And they were like, can you not see in the dark? And I was like, yeah, yeah, but just in case there's something that might be scared of fire. (laughs) (laughs) Your bruise was seen through, Lolis. Yeah, Yeah. unfortunately. But it's a good game. It's um, it's an interesting game. Mm. Is it spooky or not? It's more sort of of like jungle exploration vibes. We're, We're doing Tomb of Annihilation, which is like quite famously harsh <laughs> it's, it's spooky in the fact that we like we were told your characters will probably die so make some mm. backup characters so oh. every, everything you do you're kind of like is this the thing that's going to kill me 
When you said jungle for a little bit there, Wills, and then left a break, I thought you were going to say run afterwards, and I was getting <laughs> really excited. Look, I mean, the aesthetics are there for jungle run, so... Yeah, it's basically the same thing. Like, yeah, the... we haven't run into any terrifying monkey people yet, but apart from that, I think, yeah, it's been fine. Leave Sid and Elvis out of this. <laughs> Sid and Elvis can be locked away for the rest of time. I don't want anything to do with Sid and Elvis anymore. Beloved childhood characters. No. <laughs> Speaking of beloved childhood characters, Johnny's not here, so let's talk about Mr. Blobby. <laughs> <laughs> no, let's not talk about Mr. Blobby. It's not oh, the wow. Mr. Blobby. It's not the Blobcast. <laughs> oh, hey, what's up, God. gamers? Welcome back to the Blobcast. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I want to make this so bad now. <laughs> Mr. Blobby is perhaps the least relevant thing amongst the kids these days. Like, they don't know what he is, they don't know what he stands for. He is my obsession. You've literally known him for like two months, Lola. <laughs> this, Let, this makes it sound like that. you've just started dating. <laughs> <laughs> you've only known him for. <laughs> Can't take this too quickly, okay? Let's you move on. Does Let's anyone on. truly Enough. know Mr. Blobby? Let's Enough move on Blobby. to Enough Wills. Blobby. Wills, what have you been playing? Please, <laughs> please, oh, anything other than that. Uh, yeah, I've, I've also been playing in Lolly's D&D campaign. Um, it's being run by a guy called Joel, who um, who works on one of the other sort of websites that. Game Network or Repop um, have under their wing, but uh, I've been playing as a chaotic evil Yuanti called Suffren Succotash. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, um, it's what uh, it sounds like. <laughs> yeah, he's incredibly dramatic, um, which is quite fun. But um, yeah, no, as I said, I've been playing some games with some people back home, and I've also been trying out. I'll talk about this one first, since we were just talking about Frosthaven. I've been playing the digital edition of Gloomhaven. Mm. Um, for a possible upcoming video. So I think it'd be quite fun to do a little Let's Play of it. Um, it's really good, actually. It's still early access, but it's a really, really faithful adaption from what I've played of um, Frosthaven and Gloomhaven, which is not very much, to be fair. Um, I don't know if the actual sort of like story content is copied over or if it's got its own little narrative, but um, yeah, it's um, really cool. From what I know, having done a list on digital board games... Um, <laughs> And included Gloomhaven on there. Um, essentially, it doesn't have the long-running campaign you would find in the tabletop version. It has, like, scenarios, but that's because it's in early access. So, essentially, mm -hmm. I think they're planning to eventually add the full-on campaign you would mm. see in, like, a tabletop version of Gloomhaven. They're just uh, taking their time, I think. Mm. It's it got, like, a very... Cool. Yeah, it's it's very pretty. Like it's um, like considering it's um, like it runs pretty well on older machines and stuff. Like it's it's got like a pretty cool visual style to it. With like it reminds me of that uh, tool that's coming out into early access at the moment for D and D with all the sort of like really hyper realistic models that sort of like actually like move around and stuff like that. If anyone has any idea what I'm talking about, I'm sure somebody in chat will know. Um, but yeah, it's like, it's quite fun playing it solo because you still play with multiple characters, but you get to see all of their hands at once. So you kind of like program out like the perfect turn yeah. kind of thing. Um, like instead of having the sort of like negotiation that you have around the table of like, Oh, I'm going to try and do this early quarter, but I have no idea what you guys are doing. Um, and I think that would be satisfying in a solo mode for Gloomhaven, but it's, it's like, you don't have to hold four separate hands of cards at once, you know what I mean? Like, it's it's quite a fun way to play it, and I think that's the sort of game where I would be like, yeah, actually, I would play a digital version of this, because I think it is, like, it removes a couple of the barriers to entry kind of thing. Um, yeah. But as far as, like, tabletop simulator is concerned, I've been playing Pastali again. 
Pastelis, great. I keep forgetting how much I like it. I'm kind of like, because um, we only did a Today We Played when we first talked about it, because this was back when it was just me and Johnny. Um, and it's so much fun. It's such a pretty game, and I've completely forgotten how much fun it is. But this person I've been playing against like, has been thrashing me in the last couple of games. Um, but the last one I played, I completely stormed her. Just like right at the end, just like this huge gulf of points between us. Uh, and I was incredibly <laughs> cocksure after that. But it was very, very fun. Yeah, I've, Pastali is like a... It's got a mod on Tabletop Sim, and it's, it's a very, very good game. I recommend going back to it if you missed it when we first talked about it on the channel. Mm. It's It's... For folks who don't know, it's basically, it's super simple, right? It's you put down tiles that have little lines, and they kind of redirect other lines. Yeah, so you're trying it's, to ki- it's kind of like the pipe puzzle game um, that, that has sort of like popped up in a lot of, you know, like the, the Bioshock mm. hacking mini game, that kind of thing, where it's like you're redirecting lines between us. But you've basically got four little nodes that you're trying to join up. Um, but it rewards you for having a more convoluted route, because the more tiles that you pass through, like what you get a pass tally, which is then um, converted into points. So you end up having like my favorite thing about it is that you end up having like this horrible mishmash of all these lines just like intersecting and flying off everywhere. And then you put down a tile and you're like, "Ha! I've really screwed you there, haven't I?" And then the person will just move their node, and suddenly it just like wraps around the entire board, scoring them like a hundred points. You're like, "Oh God, what have I done?" It's really good. <laughs> and you can stack uh, tiles on top of each other. Yeah, yeah. So you get like you get this weird little three D like mm. uh, amalgamation of towers because you get more points the higher up they are when you pass through them because it counts as passing through all the towers below it as well. Mm. It's really, really good fun. It's a really pretty game. Um, and if you saw on our social media, um, a very nice guy who goes to PAX has also made a t shirt version <laughs> so that you can play <laughs> on a t shirt, which is very good. <laughs> That's awesome. Mm. It's a little bit like a more complicated version of Suro, I think. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's definitely got that sort of like, um, like Tron vibe to it, almost, isn't it? Mm. Cool. All right, me and what have you been playing? <gasps> is it oh. scythe? Um, around... <laughs> is it scythe? <laughs> <laughs> uh, around, obviously, designing my Mr. Blobby RPG. Mm-hmm. Um, I is this been... a thing? Wait, is this a thing? Because if this is a thing, please. Please let this be a thing. No, no, no. It's a joke. Don't humour her. Sorry, I shouldn't. I shouldn't. uh, I shouldn't feed feed the beast. Um, uh, I've been playing obviously Scythe. Um, This is the Scythe update of the week. Uh, Played with Scythe, please. Yeah, played. (laughs) Look, okay, the the viewers and the listeners they expect it. They want it. They want to know what's going Someone on. Someone actually did. With four episodes in now, Wheels, we've got running jokes that have been going for the past eight years that people expect on this podcast. I'm yeah. going to try and carry this on as long as physically possible, Wheels. Don't... And now you're part of it, Wheels. You were yeah. part of that Scythe game. I... Yeah. <laughs> little, little spoiler, I did not enjoy that game of Scythe. <laughs> I couldn't tell, honestly. <laughs> Um, Your friends are very nice, though, Ian. Yeah, I played with Mr. Whelan here uh, and Mr. Jarvis and two of my other friends. Uh, those happen to be the two friends I've been playing with basically most of the time. Um, and we had a big bumper game of five people, which is the max. And boy, it makes a difference in terms of how long it takes to play that game. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I won! Hey! No way! Finally! I know it was a wonderful experience. Was anyone on the Dice Breaker team present when you won this game? No. 
Oh, Ooh. did you quit before it ended, Wheels? See, I got disconnected, and then my place was immediately taken by a bot. Oh, no, wait, you upsetting. were there, Wills. <laughs> oh, no, yeah, you won the game we played, didn't you? Yeah. yeah sorry, I've, I've, yeah. Tried to, I've tried to get it out of my, my brain as far as, <laughs> as far as I can. <laughs> I've just tried to get the conversation out of my brain, but we don't need to go there. <laughs> <laughs> you just leave when you lose. I've never played it, so I don't know how this works. No, I think Matt no. just DC'd. Yeah, reason. you can't be eliminated or anything like that. It was just that uh, my my computer essentially overheated because I was playing it on a laptop, which I don't normally play games on. Uh, so the whole thing went pew, and then I turned it back on and tried to join, only to find that I could I could spectate the bot that had taken control of me about the graphical four turns fidelity. From the end. The graphical fidelity of Cypher's too much to handle. Yeah, but I mean, we were a good chunk through the game. Um, and to be honest, a lot of it was between me and one of my friends. Mm. Um, I'll be honest with you, I wasn't really paying a huge amount of attention, (laughs) mostly because the conversation was taking over (laughs) a lot of things. Um, but I sort of grabbed it at the end by pushing him off the factory space, uh, and essentially winning the game with those points. It was very dramatic. Uh, and Matt Jarvis missed it, and Mr. Wheeling wasn't really paying much attention. <laughs> Not really. Um, no. <laughs> so I feel like my victory wasn't fully, you know, celebrated. Yeah. Mm. But, um, aside from do it again. Yeah, we'll have to. You'll have to play with us again, Wills. You play until you win, Wills. This is your oh, eternal God. torture. Yeah, I'm not a gladiator. <laughs> yeah, this is the new, uh, like a post-apocalyptic '80s action film. Like robo-jocks. man. Yeah. You, you have to keep playing Scythe or you die. I'm Snake Plissken. Escape from Scythe. <laughs> yeah. Escape from the Eastern Bloc. <laughs> um, other than Scythe, um, I also played Skulk Hollow with my friend. Uh, Skulk Hollow is great. Whom I live with, yes. Uh, Skulk Hollow is great. Uh, I played as the monster this time, mm. um, which was fun. Uh, Which monster did you play as? I played as Gark, I think his name is. Was it what Gark? animal was the monster <laughs> that you played as? It's a, he's a bear! Oh, oh he's yeah, the, the boring bear, one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, I haven't played as the monster before. So, oh, okay, that's fair enough. Uh, I wanted to, And also, my flatmate hadn't played the game before, so I didn't want to jump into one of the more complicated Guardians before you know, even introducing them to the game. When um, me and Johnny did our Let's Play on that, we did a like poll on Twitter saying, hey, which monster should I play as? And then they all picked the bear, and we were like, oh, that's the boring one. Because <laughs> he's asked. a bear! Yeah. People yeah, we got a giant one. electric squid man. There's incredible <laughs> scenes in there. Um, but yeah, um, that was fun. Um, for people who don't know, I don't think we've explained the full premise of the game, but... You play as either a guardian or a clan of fox people who are very adorable. Uh, and it's an asymmetric two-player game. So Check out know, the each... video on Dice Yeah, watch yeah, the video. Head on to the YouTube channel. It's kind of reminiscent of um, Shadow of the Colossus because you're, like, you're climbing up this giant construct mm. that's moving around and smashing it mm. up. Um, and when you're the guardian, you're basically trying to... Uh, one, stop them, but also achieve your own objective, which will be different depending on what guardian you play. Whereas the foxen always have the same objective of just kill the uh, the guardian. Kill! Well, kill, kill my foxes! 
Yeah, I haven't played much of it, but I really would like to play more because it seems super cool. And there's a new one coming out, right? Yes. This year or yeah, next yeah. year? Mall Peak. I can't remember what it's called. Mall Peak, that's it. Thank there you. you. Go. Look, my it's... my memory banks. <laughs> it's all about shopping, this one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, I think it's got bears in it, so the people are going to love that. Oh, great. Mm. <laughs> more uh, bears. Yeah, That's more what, bears. Apparently what the game needed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They're sat there around the the business people were sat there around the table and they're like, okay, what do we do now? What's the next big step? <laughs> big the people, they call for bears. We gotta get more bears in here. <laughs> I need more bears stat. <laughs> uh so we played that and I would say I feel like particularly the Guardian I played as they only have two actions per turn, and that really limits you. Mm. Um, I actually accidentally cheated a little bit by playing three actions per turn, because I forgot it's only two. And the difference it makes is, like, astounding. But, um, you know, I'm not a deliberate cheater. It's just a mistake. Um, <laughs> how wow. dare you accuse Your Honor. me? <laughs> Your Honour, please! <laughs> Speaking of Your Honor, we've also got Lawyer Up coming up soon, haven't we? Mm, yes, I today. really like that game. Mm. And the last thing I played was Escape from the Dark Castle, uh, which we put on appropriately spooky music. Um, it's an adventure-style game, co-op, um, where you and your friends, in this case my friend, uh, have to escape from the Dark Castle. <gasps> Yeah, it's full of twist. <laughs> full of yeah, that's the big twist. Yeah, um, full of uh, you know bad people and monsters and you know at one point there's a kitchen and someone's cooking a pie and you can steal the pie. <laughs> well, okay. <laughs> yeah, but if you get caught, then the the cook like attacks you. I feel like that's a very minor aspect of the game that. Alex Meehan would definitely have honed in on and just been like, oh, this is great! Uh, but because we were playing it two-player, it was really hard. Like, the game is... I, I would say, I think, even though you can play it two-player, the game is, like, very much balanced for more than two players. But um, it was a laugh. We had fun. Um, you get to read out the, the spooky text and uh, create a a scary atmosphere. Is your castle just haunted by Victorian children? Given your past, <laughs> <Pie> chefs. <laughs> past RPG characters. Yeah. Uh, you all you can hear echoing through the halls is just please, sir Give me a penny <laughs> Penny farming. Please, sir, can I have some gore? <laughs> <laughs> oh god. But yeah, that's what cool. I have been playing, Mr. Jarvis. Excellent. Uh as for me, this week has been very like RPG heavy. Uh, so as well as Dungeon Breaker, uh, the latest episode is up now on our oh YouTube, and it's our, the final arc of our first season, and it really goes places. Oh boy. It's, a, it's a good one. Uh, I'm excited for what comes next, but I won't spoil that. But outside of that, I've been continuing my Monster of the Week uh, game, uh, in which we're all professors at Hogwarts after the Harry Potter books have ended, um, which... I am a an anti-magic conspiracy theorist who doesn't believe that... Basically feels that the Ministry of Magic is, you know, this kind of nefarious organisation. How did um, you get hired? <laughs> I won't go into it. Um, but we are, we are attempting to 
solve various mysteries and deal with a potential uh, future Dark Lord who is attending the school. Oh my um, goodness, so another have one? Another one, yes. Um, but I think I've explained this before, basically, uh, my friend who's running it, he came up with a fantastic system to bolt onto Monster of the Week's magic. So Monster of the Week's magic lets you have glitches, so magic can go wrong if you don't roll high enough. Um, and in this game, whenever someone casts a spell for the first time, even if it's an established Harry Potter spell, if it suffers a glitch, that glitch is forever attached to it. Um, so for instance, I in our latest play session, I try to open a door by blasting it open with a spell, uh, but the glitch was that I also go backwards. So I opened the door and sent it flying, but my character was then propelled down a set of stairs. <laughs> oh, God. Uh, which is very amusing. Uh, and there's various things like that. It's all good fun. Uh, and I've also uh, returned to a quest campaign mm. uh, that another of my friends has been running. So they, we played with them uh, a couple months ago, actually. I think they were enticed by Johnny's review of it on the channel. Uh, and Quest is really good, it turns out. Uh, we've played it recently <laughs> as a team. Yeah, Champignon. Uh, yes, but uh, this is not as chaotic as that, but it's still quite chaotic. <laughs> you mean uh, to tell me there were no cows, kids with goose heads? <laughs> no, but there is or a... Or otters. There's a centaur that accidentally kicked someone to death in a pub, uh, and someone else got trapped inside a tent inside a tin, which is one of the starting <laughs> items you can have. Mm. Uh, it's, it's funny that the two first RPGs you've mentioned have been Harry Potter related and Quest. And bearing in mind that I played <laughs> Harry Otter in uh, in our Quest. God, I will never forget <laughs> Harry Otter. Oh, this is how we secretly transition into becoming a Harry Potter podcast. <laughs> if, if that happens, I'm never coming back. <laughs> Mr. Blobby and Harry Potter podcast. Oh, oh my God. Blobby Otter. Oh gosh! Uh, Harry one I think we've got our all caps uh, text segment for the uh, for the title of the podcast. Blobby Otter. <laughs> I'll write it down just to, just to clear it from my mind more than anything else, just so I don't have to keep that inside my head. Uh, yeah, actually, speaking of the, the of Harry Potter fans, one of the people playing the campaign, the Monster of the Week campaign, with us doesn't know Harry Potter at all. So we have to just explain spells every time. And it's kind of interesting that you think a lot of this stuff is just ingrained in people now. But it's like, no, I don't know what Accio does. Can you mm. explain to me? Uh, yeah. Which is doubly funny when the, half the spells don't do what they're meant to do anyway. <laughs> uh, they're yeah, going to go and read Harry Potter and they're going to be like, this isn't right. This isn't what the spell does. Uh, yeah, well, I, I think if you... Given how things have gone so far in our campaign, if Harry Potter was along those lines, it would not have been a hit book for children. It would have been some kind of worrying YA novel. Um, yeah. But I've also been playing more diplomacy, uh, which Johnny and I chatted about last week, uh, and I continue to be at, at odds with, with most of Europe. Uh, and uh, anyone that might follow me on Twitter may have noticed that things took a turn because I mentioned some details <laughs> in last week's podcast uh, and then that. Russia broke character. Uh, they've been sending me messages in Russian 
Um, but they sent me a message that just said, Hi, Matthew Jarvis, you said too much on your podcast. Yeah. Oh, uh, no. Which is like a, a really weird meta turn for it all to take. Yeah, uh, but Matt, now you know that. Now you can start pretending that you're doing things on this podcast, and then he'll think that you're doing I know, these things, but it's you it's actually all go rooms. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I'm enjoying it massively. Either way, it's very good fun. Uh, and actually, by the time you listen to this, Johnny will have put up a piece on the website about his experience playing mm. diplomacy via Backstabber.com, which is the website because some folks were asking last week. Uh, it's a free website where you can play it and you can send messages between each other, and it's very good. Yeah. I like that. Um, last week when Johnny was talking about it, he referred to it as like similar to Grinder, just because of the missing e. Yeah, in the name. <laughs> It's very similar to Grindr. Don't confuse the two. Oh, God. Yeah, don't use it for that. I'd recommend, especially if you're doing it with work colleagues. Hot local warlords are in your area. I mean, that's essentially how my game with Russia opened, is Russia was opened with, like, hot, hot picks from Russia, I don't know. Matt Jarvis! Like, it was very <laughs> weird. Shocked! Are you and sure you're playing diplomacy? <laughs> and now they're sending messages from Russia in Russian, signing them off from the Tsar, so... Mm. Yeah. Uh, Are you it's, receiving it's really romantic gifts from Russia? I haven't received anything from Russia other than... Uh, a Mos- uh, Yeah. So, yes. Anyway, diplomacy's really great. It continues mm. to be really great. Um, I really want to play it. Sounds we great. should let's organize a team game. It will be horrific oh, and Lord. wonderful. Yes. I, I'm not going to come out of this well. I'll tell you that now. I, <laughs> I I'm a very, I'm a quite a sensitive person. Not a bad loser necessarily, but like I can sometimes take things personally. So I'm going to have to really work at creating an entirely separate persona who can absorb yeah. all the betrayals. And all the terrible things that happen to them. I feel like creating an entirely separate persona is part of your job description at this point, to be fair. This is true. But they're all connected to my heart in some way. Mm. (laughs) You're going to have just like a Tim the Goblin-esque ruler of Austria. He's just like, oh goodness, oh goodness, I'm being attacked. My people. I I think if I play a Tim the Goblin style leader... They would probably last about like two turns before being betrayed and <laughs> mm-hmm. destroyed. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, I need to channel my inner, like, greasy fingers. Yeah, <laughs> my inner greasy fingers. Yeah. Austria regrets to report that the body of ruler Tim the Goblin has been found strung from the presidential offices. Matt, <laughs> do not say those words. Oh We're going to have a riot on our hands. Quick, quick, do the news before we lose all of our audience. <laughs> right, let's move on to news. Ah, uh, uh, gosh. Uh... Uh, yeah, so actually there's quite, been quite a lot of news this week. Um, some, some interesting stuff, kind of... So we've had the leak of Pandemic Hot Zone... Uh, because Zedman Games, who makes Pandemic, originally said that they had delayed announcements of Pandemic Games due to the actual pandemic going on. Um, But this kind of snuck out, um, and we actually got some more details from some sources around Zedman who confirmed it as well. So Pandemic Hot Zone North America, as its full title is. Snappy. Yeah, it's basically a, a very, it's a shorter, smaller version of Pandemic, so it plays in about half an hour. Uh, takes place just in North America, as the name suggests, rather than the whole world. But other than that, it's kind of, at least from what we know, it's basically pandemic. It's kind of similar to the Ticket to Ride London and New York 
that they is put it called out, Hot so. Zone because it's shorter, quicker? Uh, yeah, I guess so, yeah. Okay. Yeah, presumably <laughs> it's that, not anything else. Um, it's because America's full of so many hotties, so they're like, well, let's just call it the Hot Zone. <laughs> there are hotties in your area. <laughs> yeah. Um, <laughs> it sounded like they were making that game. <laughs> My new website, Hootzone. Where it's just H T Z N E. It's like grinder because it's yeah. missing it. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, yeah. It's missing the vowels. But oh, yeah. yeah, so they've announced that. Um, I don't think there's a release date on it yet. Uh, from at least as far as we know. Uh, but it was originally planned to be announced earlier this year, and then due to again the whole COVID nineteen situation, uh, uh, they've delayed the announcement. So at the moment, it's not been publicly announced, but uh, it is a real thing, and it's coming at some point, potentially later this year. Um, and we also have me and you. You broke the story today, in fact, uh, on Wednesday this. when we are recording this. Yeah. So I'll Breaking let you take news. over for this. Breaking news! Yeah, uh, we get on the spot. A... Reporter Alex Meehan. <laughs> we get in a report from downtown. <laughs> Back to you in the studio, yeah. man. <laughs> You're just hovering in a, in a chopper over Phil Walker yeah. Harding's house. <laughs> It's our eyes in the skies, Alex Meehan. He's still designing a game he's been there for two years. I'm supposed to be a helicopter in case that's not Oh, I'm actually pretty, I'm pretty good at helicopters, aren't I? I promise I will never go in a helicopter and hover around Bill Walker Harding's house. Um, you have to do it during the report, though, Wills. <laughs> what, constantly, yeah. The people really enjoy that. <laughs> it's, it's, it, pro- it provides, like, a audio... Like, ah! That's <laughs> <laughs> what we need is more foley. We're missing foley. Someone get some watermelons and just chop them up. I just really liked. I really liked me and being completely shocked by her own words. Audio. <laughs> <laughs> no, it provides. It, it immerses the listeners, the viewers. Um, wow, well, the this world for, we're the, creating. The budget for dice breakers really gone up. They're yeah. left just flying around in a helicopter. Oh, if we could get a helicopter, imagine what I could do with it. Anyway, I, anyway, um, this news story. Uh, yeah, so the news story is there is a new board game coming from Phil Walker Harding, who, if people don't know, is the designer for Sushi Go, uh, Baron Park, also known as the board game with the greatest artwork ever made. Um, and he did Imhotep as well. Um, and he told me about Monolith. Um, the like name of the game was actually revealed to us by Eric Lang who is the designer for Blood Rage and Rising Sun and the upcoming Ankh um, but I reached out to good old Phil and he told me some details about the game so it's essentially a he described it as being like Tetris um, where you have to stack different shaped blocks on one of each other to create a structure which is meant to be like a monument within the game uh, based on certain prophecies that you can play during it that kind of say oh if you build this shape then you get this many points um, and yeah there's no release date for it as far as we know uh, Lang was very much like we don't know when it's coming out um, but it sounds quite ambitious on the production side of things. So I think that's why it's been kind of taking its time. But uh, apparently it's been in development for over or around two years. So, uh, yeah. 
get hyped, I guess. Yeah, <laughs> that's mo- monolith with a Y as well. That's how you yeah, know it's, it's, it's hot it's, and yeah, it's in the it's hot race. zone. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's quirky, you know. Like, that should be the name of the segment. The hot, the hot zone. zone. Yeah. The Dicebreaker Hot Zone. It's time for the weekly news, or as we like to call it, the Hot Zone. Sponsored by Hot Pockets. <laughs> <laughs> the Hot Zone in your mouth. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, and then we'd have. And then, oh my god, Wills, you'd have to eat them. Yeah, we can only be I mean, sponsored by food with that. the word hot yeah. in <laughs> Yeah, you can have, have a bang on, on it. And then we'll, we'll, like, we'll cook them so they're really hot. And freezing and this whole really should introduce been... the world to have a bang on that the new tv show that you've decided i am having to do where i eat all kinds of breakfast food items that come in tins <laughs> <laughs> it's what the people want it's apocalyptic <laughs> <laughs> that's how we're going to be able to get the helicopter we'll, we'll mm. get enough sponsorships so I feel like your your ideas are so meandering as well that probably the only link will be that at the start of each show I'll go, ooh, have a bang on that. Yeah. <laughs> we do need a soundboard. what's actually happening. Oh, and then I'll land in the helicopter with the food item and give it to you. <laughs> like, what was the thing with, uh, was it Anika Rice? Uh, the old, like, 80s show where she flew around in a helicopter. I can't remember now. Someone out there will know it. But, Are you talking um, about go outside? I was about to say no, no, go, go outside with the spotty biplane. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> go outside, but you're just chucking breakfast in tins. Just donking people on the head. With, I'm sure you know, our, our American audience is really loving this segment. <laughs> hey, we mentioned Hot Pockets. We're, we're we did a mention for, Hot Pockets. We're a global that, a show with That's global some American reach. culture right there, Hot Pockets. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know what a Hot Pocket is. It's just it's, like a, it's like it's a like McDonald's a apple pie. It's like a kind of thing, isn't it? Oh. Yeah, is it's it? like a little... It's like pastry with stuff inside. Yeah, it doesn't is it like properly. hot hot? <laughs> is it like those um, little weird breaded things with the the goop inside and the ham? You mean nuggets? Like, no. You mean Kievs? <laughs> Chicken Kievs? <laughs> no. The goop they inside were... <laughs> and the ham. What? <laughs> we used oh, to do eat you mean, them. Do you mean the pancakes? The yes. Pancakes? Oh. <laughs> Oh, that! Oh, God! Yeah, they were okay. horrible. They anyway, were great. Let's anyway. <laughs> news. Have Remember that whole that. news thing we were back we were to doing? the hot zone. Oh, gosh. So yeah. have a bag on that. We'll return after these messages. <laughs> but by the again, by the time people listen to this, we should have uh, an interview with Eric Lang, courtesy of one Alex Meehan, up on the website. It's a doozy, so, Matt Jarvis. It it's is a doozy. All about Ank. So. If you haven't had enough of it yet, there's wow. more. <laughs> Way to sell it. Uh, anyway, there's actually quite a lot of news to, uh, this week, like I say. Uh, so, Wills, I'm going to throw over to you. I don't think I've prepped you for mm. this, but I'm going to throw over to you about this because Tabletop Playground is a thing. Yes. What is yeah. out? Well, it's kind of out now. It's in early access. Well, it's in beta. Um, it's an open beta at the moment. So I downloaded it yesterday to, to have a look and I played through the tutorials and just sort of loaded up a few things. Um, it's very much like just released and not actually ready yet. So like I wouldn't expect anything groundbreaking, but it, it seems to have been made by like people who like Tabletop Simulator but wanted it to be a little bit different, maybe like a little bit more robust, but also not necessarily very user friendly, I would say. Um, it's it, like it's got a lot more sort of like menu systems and like you can you can customize things a little bit more than you can in tabletop sim it's it's also got like a 
you can create your own custom models and give them properties and color them and, and paint them and all that kind of stuff. Um, so supposedly it's going to be quite good for sort of like miniature wargaming, but online. Mm. Um, but as it stands, the only real benefit I can see is the fact that it's currently free. <laughs> yeah. Although um, this is only the the open beta, so yeah, I think it the, runs until the start of May. So I think I think it will cost money after then. Yeah, the the current issue I'm having with it is that because it uses because um, it's a, a brand new platform, nobody's uploaded any custom mods to it mm. apart from like a few. So it's very much um, it's not quite up to the same sort of standard of like content that you have available to you as, as tabletop sim is right now. Mm. Also uses a different modding platform. It doesn't use the Steam Workshop. It uses Mod.io, um, which I've never used before. But it also links to your Steam account. So I'm not entirely sure what the point is. But I think from what they they're saying is at some point in the future, Mod.io because it's like an open platform rather than mm. the closed kind of gated thing of steam is that it could then potentially come to mobile devices or video okay. game consoles whereas steam is just locked down to the pc so that's that fair. i think that's one of their big things of hey we're not just tabletop simulator although we kind of are particularly yeah. at the moment mm, at the um, moment it's just tabletop simulator <laughs> i'm gonna ask the question that i know everyone wants to know the answer to can ah. you go inside the mouth of a manticore or not no. Okay, that's, oh, yeah. that's not the question I was expecting. Um, you missed uh, that stream, I think. That's why you might be confused. Yeah. Can you... That happened no on the live idea. stream when Mian joined us for Wavelength, because that makes more sense, right? It, it all It's all clear now, right? <laughs> cool, great. Um, no, as it stands, you cannot go into the mouth of a manticore unless you upload your own custom manticore model. Oh. My cat is trying to burst in through the door. <laughs> Special guest star, Wills' cat. <laughs> Welcome to the show. To be fair, the first episode of the podcast, he was on there. So. Yeah. Cool, but yeah, it sounds like you weren't particularly... Yeah, there's a, there's a few little bits where I was like, oh, okay, that's a cool little change. But it like, if this was an update to Tabletop Sim, I would be like, yeah, they've added some cool new stuff. But as a whole new platform that I would potentially have to buy again... And then potentially wouldn't have as much options for me to play with. It didn't really excite me very much. Yeah, it'll be it'll be interesting to see whether because I think if if people make mods for it, that's when the people will come, mm. right? It's like Tabletop yeah. Simulator thrives because you can basically play anything on there. Obviously, there are certain questions around that and whatnot, but the fact of the matter is, there's just a lot of stuff for it. Yeah, there's so. also the fact that like because obviously there's there's like a big debate around like the ethical nature of like uploading board games for free and then the, the designers are not seeing any cash. Tabletop Sim has the actual paid DLC where mm. the profits are shared with the designers of the board games. I don't know if Tabletop Playground are going to be investing in that as well, but yeah, like, when as I... it stands, technically you're getting more bang for your buck as a publisher from Tabletop Sim. Yeah, when I spoke to them earlier in the year, they kind of said they hadn't they didn't have any agreements with uh, publishers to announce mm. at the moment. Um, I imagine they'll be trying to go for that. Yeah, the the tabletop simulator thing is interesting. There are obviously a lot of mods made for it by people who make the actual games. Yeah, and there's a it's a very murky conversation that we shouldn't get into. But it's that <laughs> thing of there's there's legitimate content on there, but there's also stuff that people you know will feel differently about depending on whether they own a game or whether they feel the yeah. whole thing is just not not suitable or not appropriate so mm. but the but the fact of the matter is part of the reason tabletop simulator is so popular is just because there's so much on it yeah so oh. yeah it's kind of a hard thing to to take on but hey you know good luck to him it mm -hmm. might be that it in a year or so it's incredible uh moving across to 
Uh, speaking of Harry Potter, actually, it was kind of interesting that this popped up this week. Uh, yeah. There's, there's a, a an RPG from the makers of Kids Kids on Bikes and Teens in Space called mm-hmm. Ki- uh, Kids on Brooms, mm. uh, which is essentially, for all intents and purposes, it's Harry Potter as a tabletop RPG. But it's also designed by um, the designer of Icarus, which yes, was so, uh, my game of the year last year. Yes, so Spencer... Uh, Stark. Stark, thank you, is joining, uh, I think, John Gilmore? Yeah, John from mm-hmm. Gilmore and Doug uh, Lewandowski, who made Kids on Bikes and Teens in Space. Um, so, yeah, Spencer's joined them to, to make this. And it seems... So, from what I understand of Kids on Bikes, I haven't played a whole bunch of it. It's, it's extremely light. It's, mm. you know, I think you roll one die for combat, that kind of a thing. And this is very much in that vein. It's 100 pages yeah. long, but I think most of it is is flavor. From what I know from uh, Kids on Bikes is you have, like... So your stat line is, um, instead of, like, a number, you have, like, a die assigned to each stat. And then you have, like, a difficulty value. So, like, say that you're trying to achieve, like, a... I don't know, like, a generic level 8 difficulty thing. Um, if you have, like, a, a, a high stat in, sort of, like brawn or something like that you might be rolling a d20 but if you're really bad at it you could go all the way down to like a d4 which means that it would technically be really difficult for you to to achieve most things with that um but then you also pick instead of like a character class you pick like a trope um so like because it's kids on bikes you're like oh i'm the the nerdy kid or i'm like the the bully who's turned nice or whatever and then that will sort of like uh differentiate like the kind of relationships that you have with the other players and then also like how you how you uh, build your stats and how you play through the game Cool. Yeah, and this this seems to take that gameplay system and basically apply it to a school of magic. Yeah, um, which very which I think is pretty cool. And yeah. I th- I think um, we're planning to have a look at it to hopefully do a, a let's play once the the review copies are sent out. So look forward to that on the channel, hopefully. Yeah, yeah. but it's it's very much like hey, you have an owl, or you yeah. you can ride brooms, or you cast spells, and you can explore secrets. It's ve- it's it knows what it's going for. Yeah, but again, it's you know it's cool to see something coming out because there hasn't really been. Well, there's never been a, a proper Harry Potter tabletop RPG, mm. and so and I feel like if there is, it won't be very good. <laughs> no, and yeah, you know, good on them for for going for something different. Uh, mm. Very briefly, uh, me and you wrote this story. Uh, Keyforge is later set. Yeah, uh, mass mutation, uh, which was announced last year, I think, or early. Uh, yeah, it might have been the end of last year. Or start yeah. Of this. Uh, Yes, the next expansion for unique deck game, uh, Keyforge, um, <laughs> was originally planned to go out in May, I think, but it's been pushed back to July for obvious reasons. Um, but the yeah, the publisher Fantasy Flight have released basically four free to download and print decks that feature the new. Uh, mass mutation cards so they've replaced one of the previous houses with um, one of the first houses they launched with uh, called Sanctum I think Sanctum yeah they're like paladins basically yeah. uh, and uh, for those people who may not know Keyforge is a two player card game where the decks are randomly generated which basically means that rather than um, buying boosters or anything like that you just buy full on decks and every single deck is unique um, and it's a really fun game uh, Wheels and I like it very much um, mm. 
So does Mr. Jarvis. Have you played yeah, but... it, Lolis, or...? Never played it. No, I yes, never get invited. Yes, you have played it. Don't give me <laughs> that. I? No, I yeah, we played it. Played it l- I, t- I taught you how to play over lunch, and then you sent a message to um, Johnny saying that I wouldn't let you play because you were a girl. <laughs> he did say that. Oh, gosh. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Which is about he, the most lowly move there is. Wheels did say it as a joke, but he did say it. Uh, <laughs> um, well, there you go. It was so unmemorable to me <laughs> wow <laughs> wow i really like keyforge there's yeah. there's um there's a video on on the channel of of why i think you should play it um and then we also did a let's play uh of i think the second maybe third yeah set. yeah it was whichever the last the worlds one. collide yeah worlds mm, collide third, yeah um which introduced the saurian house of Hell dinosaurs yes. But this roman dinosaurs yeah this uh set basically introduces um the mechanics of older cards coming back as mutated versions of themselves, which basically means they have different abilities. Um, there's also the gigantic creatures, where you have to play two cards to bring out a creature, but they're really powerful. Like one of them, as soon as you play it, just steals all your opponent's ember at once, uh, <laughs> and also does damage, I think, to an opponent's minion but um there's also the oh my goodness it's basically a mechanic where you can assign certain abilities from one card to other cards so if one of your cards allows you to draw an additional card you can basically make another one of your cards also do that uh and yeah the four decks are available to download from the asmodi print and play website which actually has quite an impressive selection of games on it now um, including Concept, which I like very much, and Dixit, and yeah. Cool. Yeah, I mean, it's cool that they're putting that stuff out. Like, why not? If only I had a printer. Well, yeah, that's the, <laughs> the downside. Uh, and as a very last little news story here, Twilight Imperium. Uh, Johnny's Not On as, our, as probably the biggest Twilight Imperium fan on the on the team Probs. Yeah. but uh, it's it's quite a short story basically Twilight Imperium the big old sci-fi board game uh, from Fancy Flight uh, is being turned into books a series of books mm. which hey you know go for it that, it kind yeah. of reminds me of like the Black Library stuff in Games Workshop where they're just sort of like they're filling out that universe and to be fair like what from what I've seen of Twilight Imperium it's a cool universe there's yeah, space lines sure. so I mean more space lines that's fine yeah like <laughs> Fancy Flight has put out books about Set in the Arkham Horror Files universe, mm. and I think there's a Keyforge book coming up. There is so a Keyforge book, of, yeah. Of Aconite, which is kind of a part of Asmodi, which owns Fancy Flight. So it's it's dedicated to making books out of basically everything that yeah. could make them money. Milk, milk, that's milk. <laughs> but uh, it seems like they've so they've tapped up. Uh, let me find the name of the author, Tim Pratt, the author of the Axiom series, uh, which is a trilogy. Oh. Um, which so yeah, they it's not just you know. Some rando somewhere. It seems to be someone with some. Greg, Greg with a fan fiction account. <laughs> uh, the, yeah, the uh, the first book is by uh, xx underscore goku four twenty <laughs> underscore xx. Of course, so. you, you say goku. <laughs> Space line teleports behind you. Nothing personal, kid. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so I'm I'm kind of intrigued. I, there's obviously. It's interesting seeing what, what gets turned into books out of the tabletop world, because I feel like outside of Warhammer and probably Magic the Gathering and D&D, there aren't loads of universes that get 
kind mm. of turn into other mediums, whether it's TV shows or films or whatnot. Uh, so it'll be interesting to see whether this kind of sparks more of of that thing. I mean, Twilight Imperium is popular in the board game space, but it's not huge. You know, it's not yeah. selling millions of copies, as far yeah. as I know. But, you know, maybe that's one of their ways of expanding audience. Like, I, I know that that's definitely been a big thing for, like, Games Workshop, who have who have definitely, like, um, brought a lot of fans who weren't necessarily into minigaming, but love the book so much mm. that they've sort of, like, dipped mm. their toes and stuff. So. I want to see... Sorry, ladies, you go ahead. Well, I was just going to say, seeing as I'm quite new to this stuff, um, is there any book about Mr. Blobby? Oh, gosh. Oh, <laughs> uh, I'm oh, yeah. oh no, sorry. Yeah, I forgot that Mr. Blobby is from the Warhammer 40k universe. I mean, <laughs> Don't forget the yearly animals. <laughs> I really want there to be a... When are we going to see a book based on Camel Up? Come on. <laughs> I want a mystery novel set in the Camel Up universe where, like, one of the camels has gone missing or something. And I'll take that from you, me, and I'll raise you one. How okay. about that same idea, but it's the next in the series of the Knives Out films? Yes! <gasps> Can you imagine a crossover out. between Knives Out and Camel camels Up? up. There's camels a camel, up. and in the camel is a hole. Why is it running backwards? I watched that recently, and it's so good. By oh, the way. it slaps! Mate. It slaps. <laughs> it also reminds me of um, uh, Daniel Craig's accent. Reminds me of uh, Andy from The Office when he's talking about how to do a Savannah accent. It's just like molasses ripping out your mouth. <laughs> so good. But there we go. <laughs> yeah, uh, news. That was news. There's a couple of kickstarters. I'll just uh, kind of rip through them very quickly. There's the Wolfenstein board game based on the video games. Um, I think there were some rumblings about the publisher maybe being a little... little uh, on the uh, shifty side. N- not having the best track record, um, let's say. Let's Matt, not say I... on the shifty side. Let's, uh... Matt, Matt, can I talk about the email you sent me about the Wolfenstein board game, please? <laughs> Uh, yeah, sure. Okay, yeah. Oh, yeah. So we we got a prototype copy of the Wolfenstein board game in the office, which is obviously a bit 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 difficult to do anything with now that we're um, self quarantined. But I got a panicked email from Matt Jarvis saying, "Wheels, can you just check that we have the Nazi deck, please?" Oh god! <laughs> oh, god. Wow, what a thing! What There's thing no easy way there. around it when ninety percent of that game is Nazis. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's up. I mean, we uh, I don't think we got a chance to play it before we went no. into lockdown because mm. it arrived. I think actually it may have arrived even while we were in lockdown and most of us are not based in Brighton. Um, yeah. So yeah, uh, we haven't actually checked it out ourselves, but it's up if you want to go and have a look at it. There's also Final Girl, mm. um, which <gasps> oh, is yeah. is an interesting one. Alex, I mean, you wrote a little story about this. Why I did, Mr. Jarvis, reporting to you from the newsroom. <laughs> from the helicopter. <laughs> <laughs> from the imaginary helicopter. Um, yeah, uh, Final Girl is a horror board game that's solo, uh, which is not something we see hugely often. Um, but it sounds really interesting. It's from the guys who made... Oh my goodness. What's that other solo game they made? Hostage Negotiator. Hostage Negotiator, which it's... So the so Final Girl is based off the same system as Hostage Negotiator, which is also a solo board game. Uh, but it's essentially a game where you uh, play as a final girl in a horror film. So that classic trope of, you know, the heroine 
like Friday the 13th, etc. Um, and it has three different kind of environments. Uh, so there's like a campsite and there's a spooky carnival uh, and a haunted house. Um, and each of the environments has like a villain built kind of for that environment. So there's like a, a slasher killer and a, and a ghost and things like that. And you basically play as someone who needs to uh, fight this villain by collecting uh, the right kind of tools and weapons. Uh, and they level up their, quote, final girl powers. <laughs> which sounds like a Sailor Moon thing. Um, <laughs> when I read Sailor it... Sailor Moon versus Predator. Or... Yeah. <laughs> uh, and, yeah, so you either, you're either killed by the villain or you defeat them. And the thing that kind of impressed me a little bit is that what, the core copy of the game is, like, four different films within it. And each of those films come with like three different, you know, characters, like miniatures. Uh, and you can mix and match the villains and the environments and the different characters you play. Uh, and I also think the artwork is really nice. And it's really good to see a variety of, like, a diversity in terms of the, the heroines themselves. Like, it's, they're not all just white, uh, you know, attractive, whatever. There's a mm. nice diversity there. Which I liked. I was like, oh, okay, this is good. Uh, and, you know, not a heaving bosom in sight. <laughs> they didn't get um, Scarlett Johansson to play every single miniature then. Oh, no. <laughs> oh, not a single heaving bosom. Is that not, is that not uh, kind of discriminating against the heaving bosom? Aren't, aren't you discriminating world? against teenagers who. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, it sounds cool. <laughs> Gosh, this podcast. We're going to have to market yeah. offers. It's turned into a very different kind of podcast. What if I want to play as a heaving bosom? Just a heaving bosom. Just a, just a bosom just flying a single around. heaving bosom, poor of all. Yes. Please. One of your finest heaving bosoms. Please, sir. <laughs> Can I have Goodness. one more heaving bosom? Oh. Wow. Okay. Anyway, lastly, on the naughty step, Will. <laughs> I agree there need to be less, but I don't agree with not having any at all. So. It's a wonder that I ever tried to keep this podcast under an hour. When, when we were like marking out the structure of this, and it was like, uh, should we try and fit it into under an hour? It's like, no, there's no way it's going to nah, fit. Mate. Nah. I mean, this is a, a quietish period, and yet we still over. <laughs> It's only questions left. We're almost there. We've almost yeah. done it. Uh, the other thing up on Kickstarter at the moment is the 10th anniversary of Lords of Vegas, um, which yeah. is the game from James Ernest and Mike Zelenka, uh, which I think is pretty well considered. It's basically yeah. you build you build con- casinos and whatnot. I do really want to play that. I've never had mm. a chance yeah, to. Yeah, I've never played that. I've yeah. played uh, Las Vegas, but not Lords of Vegas. <laughs> it's been but out yeah, of print for cool. quite a while, hasn't it, Matt? So I believe it has been, yes. So this is a chance to get your hand on a copy of the game if it's not been a while. Bring back Shadows of a Camelot, you cowards! Well, I mean, there was... To, to quickly sidetrack, I kind of knocked this out of the news, but as you brought it up, there was some news this week on Shadows of Camelot. Yes, there was! Um, there, so the designers of Shadows Over Camelot, uh, I'm gonna completely blank on their names. Bruno um, Cafala, right? Yep, Bruno Cafala. Uh, someone Cafala. else. I did not know that. Yeah. Sorry, what, what was the other name? <laughs> I can't remember. I'm searching for it now. If you yeah, feel, and there. I'll pretend that it came to me naturally. Yes. Uh, yeah. So Bruno Cafala, uh, is the co-designer on it. Um, Serge Laguerre. Lagay? Yeah. I don't yes. know. I search Lagay. 
Um, I believe. Yeah, uh, it's a co-op game set in ye olde England, uh, where you play as Arthur and his his various knights of the round table, and terrible things are happening to Camelot, and you basically have to work uh, to try and save it, although one of your teammates may be a traitor. Um, and I actually really like it, but the problem is it's been out of print for so long, it's really hard to get a hold of a copy. Uh, but the creators basically have come up with a concept for a spin-off slash sequel called Shadows Over Brooklyn, which is essentially set in the future, <laughs> in the same universe, uh, but is set in... Sorry, when I say future, I mean compared to Shadows Over Camelot. So it's set in, like, the... Victorian era, but oh, well, to be century, fair, it says that's your kind of future, Mian. <laughs> yeah, it is the future for me, I guess. Um, and you play as the descendants of the the Knights of the Round Table, and there's steampunk stuff. Mm-hmm. The problem was the concept was translated um, into English, and some of it's a bit confusing. At one point. James Bond is mentioned, but I don't know why. <laughs> yeah, there's like Moriarty as well, right? Yeah, but and it's Dr. not... And Dr. Frankenstein, who I just read as Dr. Frankenfurter, for... <laughs> which is a very different kind of game. <laughs> that would be amazing. Um, um, me, and I do just want to say I was quite dismissive when you were talking about how much you like Shadows Over Camelot. Uh, and then when you told me it was Bruno Cathala who also designed Cyclades, I'm in now. Let's do it. Yeah, Let's play no. it. <laughs> what a surprise. Mr. Whelan is dismissive of <laughs> Alex Meehan's suggestions. Well, hey now. now look who's whoa, coming whoa, whoa, crawling whoa. back. Let's not pull the curtain back too much. We need to convince everyone we're friends. No, uh, I, I love Mr. Whelan. He's a great guy. Um, mm, I'm also very good friends with Alex Meehan. <laughs> <laughs> um, but no, I the idea of it sounds interesting. Um they, you know, Bruno Cafala did say that he's having problems with the publisher whose days are uh, of wonder. Um, basically, they're saying, we're not interested in the idea. Uh, but the thing is, they're not, they're not printing it at the moment. There hasn't been a new edition in a while. Uh, and basically, it's almost impossible to get a copy of the original Shadows of a Camelot. So Bruno Cafala's like, hey, I'm kind of annoyed because... I want to make this game, but obviously, fair enough, but there's no other version of Shadows of a Camelot that people can get a hold of at the moment. So he's like, oh, we could either print a new edition, print this version, or do both. Um, yeah, I can kind of see the frustration there. Yeah, uh, and that comes via Board Game Geek, we should say. So yeah, that Board was Game Board Game Geek. Geek. Mm. All right, uh, shall we move on to emails? Yes. Mm. Uh, by which I mean, let's move on to emails because I'm the host and I'm in control. I don't know why I'm asking you lot. <laughs> Assuming wow. direct control. More boss comes Pulling out. back the curtain. Yeah. Morbus, no, more boss is like this. Uh, <laughs> you have uh, to host the emails in the voice of more boss. Hi, all scum. <laughs> <laughs> Fools. <laughs> uh, this one comes from a Mr. Gloombringer. Uh, <laughs> oh god, he we're says, getting too, too meta. Troubles. <laughs> yeah. uh, okay, Alex Salodis, would you like to read this one at the top 
from The One Who Dares, which is can all I they've do, signed their email as. Can I do the next one? Because I don't have them ready. I was not sure. I, I can do this one if you want to have yeah. it up. Sorry. Okay. Uh, hi all, I will be DMing for a group of friends soon, and we're all in couples who have children ranging from one to eight years old. So inevitably, one or more of the party will have to step away from play and potentially not make it back for the rem- remainder sorry, of the session. I'm planning on discussing with the group to see how they would like to handle it, but do you have tips on how to keep your player involved when they manage to return, e.g. have a cannon where characters can be teleported out of play randomly by the big bad, then have the player describe what happened to them when gone, how they got back, and give them a bonus, like earning extra knowledge about the campaign and give the other players time to catch them up in character. Kindest regards, the one who dares. I'll add um, that. I cut that email down, so thank you for the longer email. Uh, mm. It was very nice, but uh, we mm. just cut it down a bit. I would say that I've got um, a fair amount of experience at this, not because any of my friends have kids, just because they're incredibly unreliable. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but essentially, I, I tend to sort of sway more towards... Um, I know there's there's a system that does this specifically, but having sort of like a group that doesn't necessarily have to be with them with each other like constantly there is a system that i'm blanking on the name of where you kind of play like a mercenary group and then whoever plays that session are just the people who like accepted the job kind Mm. of thing Hmm. so you don't necessarily have to have your players um like set off with each other and then never leave each other's side like if you've got like a kind of setting that works a bit better for people dipping in and out then that will really be helpful yeah i think in general we i think we may have covered this on a past podcast but i think for me, at least, I think particularly when you're playing with friends, like it's fine to just, I don't think you need to go out of your way to explain why they're not there, especially if they're just nipping away for five minutes in the middle of a session. You know, just chat with somebody else about what they're doing and then they can just slide back in. I think sometimes it can make it almost more kind of work and uh, points awkward to be like, oh, they've stepped away. We need to do something with them. Whereas if you just kind of let them fade into the background for a little bit, like when someone takes kind of control for a couple of minutes to describe what their character's doing, you know, and someone else is just kind of frozen in the background somewhere, I think that's perfectly fine, you know, because otherwise you then have to try and find a way to reintroduce them at some point. Or mm. I think well, you're totally right when it's a like a complete session like that. But for, for small stepaways, I would just generally, you know, just flow around it. I don't mm. think, because otherwise you'll spend some of that session just having to be like, oh, they, they're back in the cannon. Oh, they've reappeared again. Oh, they've stepped away again. And you're back in the cannon. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I think we'd like, yeah, you should, you should be, um, you should be a little bit more fair to yourself in the fact that like, like when we do D&D sessions, we have to kind of have explainers if someone's absent because we're, you know, we're almost making like a mini TV show. Whereas like, if you're just playing with friends, like, it's fine. <laughs> Don't worry about it if someone's just not there for a bit. Because no one's recording this in the annals of history. Like, it doesn't have to be um, sort of explained away every single aspect of it. If you'd like to have that kind of thing explained away, then I'm sure there are um, sort of cool narrative hooks like you mentioned with, like, the big bad just teleporting people away and stuff like that. But, yeah, it's up to you. Mm. Maybe make, like, the entire story arc for the RPG to just be like, there is this guy and he's kind of... Uh, annoying and he keeps randomly teleporting people and they're like there you go you've got a reason his just name prankster. is just a little yeah. bit of jokester yeah exactly his name is gerald and he's <laughs> <laughs> he, he just kind of likes to mess with people and in the end you've got to go and confront gerald 
to stop mm. him from mm. doing that because it's really messing things up. Naughty Gerald. Yeah, bad <laughs> Gerald. I mean, in combat, you can have like freezing spells or something like that if you mm. really want to, but. Mm. Yeah. Uh, all right. Should we move on to the next one? Lolis, would you like to read this one from Amy Louise, which we got via Twitter? Sure. Amy Louise says, I love board games with narrative, death, and more complex mechanics, Elder Sign, Arkham Horror, but my partner finds them hard to pick up and prefers quicker games like Sushi Go Machikoro. Any ha- happy mediums we could play together or tips on teaching games? Hmm. So I feel like the, the latter half of this, Lolis, you're the perfect person, right? Because you used to be a a literal board game guru i did oh my lord um well yeah i mean sorry i I just totally put you on the spot there (laughs) great answering this question go when uh yeah when i used to work as a board game guru because the thing is like nowadays i don't like i myself don't play like terribly complex games um a lot of the time anyway and if i do it's usually somebody else will teach me uh, I much prefer for somebody to kind of walk me through it and like kind of go it, like as we do it than to have to read a rule book or watch a video, if, especially if there's like a lot of rules. Um, what I would say in terms of teaching games like is to kind of just hold their hand for the first couple of turns or whatever it may take for them to kind of just get the basics or like depending on the game. Because then they can't run away, right? Sorry? Because then they can't run away, right? <laughs> if you physically grasp them. <laughs> also, um, also, what I often would do, or I still do if I teach games, is, um, especially if there's a lot of rules, is to not teach everything all at the same time at once, if you can get away with that. If there's stuff that you can kind of bring in in later points that are not necessarily like hugely important for the start of the game, to kind of like feed things in as you go. Um, it just means that you're not like having information overload right at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um so like when I like I know Quacks is not a very heavy game, but as an example, when I teach Quacks, it's like for people who don't play a lot of board games, Quacks can mm. be like a lot to kind of pick up when you first teach it. So what I would often do is I would just ignore like the the rat tails and like the scoring, for example, and just like teach all the and the, the shopping. I would leave the shopping completely out because that's not important until you get to that bit. And then once you get to the shopping, I would go through all the ingredients and what they do and what they mean and stuff like that. So I think just kind of being able to feed as you go is very helpful in terms of mm. teaching big games. Mm. <laughs> yeah. I mean... You do need to drip feed, don't you? Sorry? You do need to sort of drip feed, don't you? Like, because... Because, yeah. like, I mean, you taught me um, how to play Quacks, and, and, yeah, like, if... I think if you'd, um, like, said literally all of the things that we were going to encounter at once, even I would have been like, because there's so many sort of, like... Um, like weird kind of uh, like keywords and stuff, like the names of the ingredients and all that kind of stuff that can make you just go, wait, sorry, what are you talking about? Mm-hmm. But like, yeah, like like you said, it was it was a lot easier to pick up because you were just sort of like grabbing little bits and feeding them to us as we went, sort of thing. I mean, like a... Arkham Horror is heavy. Like yeah, it's a lot. <laughs> Arkham Horror and Eldritch Horror are not just heavy in terms of you know how much stuff there is and how long the game is. There's just a lot there to take in, and I think maybe leading, you know, your partner up to those these things is probably a good idea, rather than throwing, you know, rather than, you know, going, oh, let's play this enormous game that's uh, got a lot of, obviously, lore. But that's, I mean, that's the appeal of Arkham Horror. But, um, you know, maybe play some games with settings that, that you know, are engaging but aren't like all the way out there so like um like cult express is a wild west game like 
everyone kind of familiar with Wild West and like the the tropes associated with it and the setting itself is not a huge part of the game there's not like a a lot of narrative within it but it's still like flavored in a way that makes it more engaging than if it wasn't set in the wild west mm-hmm. like there are plenty of games with mechanics that are kind of linked to the setting but it isn't as like heavy as something like you know like mansions of madness or arkham horror that's a good point actually is is building up games so like if there's certain mechanics because i've never played i don't know if i've ever played arkham horror might have done years ago but i don't remember how it works if i have um but if there's like certain mechanics in the game maybe introducing certain mechanics one game at a time by Mm. i don't know if it's if it's a deck builder then playing a deck builder only um but if it's got like lots of different mechanics in it introducing them individually in different different games and then you can kind of be like oh it's like that game that you've played before because it's a lot easier to learn a game when you kind of know that mechanic to a certain extent mm. you know yeah. what i'm thinking of matt jarvis the uh, well, recent <laughs> nobody ever knows what you're thinking of <laughs> after Alex the, that after is such the, a loaded what's statement. it like being inside the mouth of a manticore question i don't think i can ever confidently <laughs> that's say that's like I a lovecraft thing isn't it inside the mouth of a manticore yeah, that's the follow-up to Inside the Mouth of Madness. Yeah, um, the deck-building article we released last week. Um, yes, which is exactly this, in in fact. Yeah, it's a series that we're hoping to continue, which is basically like, hey, you want to you know, play some a new genre of board game? Uh, in this case, deck-building games. It kind of it's a, you know, it introduces the genre to you with, you know, here's a beginner version of the game, which in this case was Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. <laughs> um, and then here's like the next step you can take in terms of like complexity. So mm-hmm. in this case it was Dominion. And then from Dominion, you know, we went to Tyrants of the Underdark, which is like much more complicated than, you know, Harry Potter Hogwarts Battle. But like if you want to, you know, get someone into a slightly more complicated game working your way up like that is yeah probably That's a really very good clever. Mm-hmm. yeah and i think for the kind of mishmash of narrative depth and kind of lighter gameplay although again like i think like me and you make a good point in terms of like you can have games that are very thematic but not necessarily complex rules wise mm. but something like mansions of madness the second edition where you've got an app that handles a lot of the gameplay mm. and so actually you can play it and just be like oh okay where do you want to move? What do you want to do? And most of the actual rules are handled by the app. You just click on a thing. Yeah. Things like that that just smooth that entire process out. And the other one, I guess, is legacy games. You know, there's a legacy game of Machi Koro and of Pandemic. And they start with a relatively simple version of that game and just kind of layer in an extra rule or two each, uh, each kind of chapter. Yeah. And so that's another way of just kind of building up to a point where you're playing something. It's not dramatically more complex by the end, but it definitely has a lot more going on. But like Lodi said, it's just layering in one thing at a time rather than just dropping it on someone and going like, okay, now go. (laughs) So I think, yeah, it's just sometimes it's just being able to take the steps in between those two things um, because there's a big gap uh, a lot of the time. Uh, Okay, let's find another one. I haven't prepped another one. Um... Okay, Wheels. Oh, no, Wheels, mm. you read the first one. I did. I'm bumping you off. Right. Um, <laughs> <Ian>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
It's like the old uh, Doctor Evil James Bond. I just pull a lever this side, <laughs> and your chair slides back. Yeah, so. somehow, even though he's in an entirely different location, yeah. no. stall. No! <laughs> we'll have a different guest <laughs> next week. Um, uh, Mean, would you like to read this one from Mike Taylor? Oh, I would love to. <clears throat> Mike Taylor asks question from a board gamer but rpg virgin how necessary do you think it is to play lots as a player first before trying to gm yourself should i seek out a more experienced gm to learn how to rpg this um, is a very interesting question yeah to me. go on lolis fire off just just in terms of i am a board gamer obviously i only started playing rpgs about a year and a half ago and I have yet to GM myself. So I'm interested to hear your answers, actually, on this. For, for you guys have all GM'd. And, yeah. Mm. I'm intrigued by this. Thank you for asking this question, Mike Taylor. I think, for me, it, it comes down to your group. Because if you're all relative newcomers, then you're all kind of learning at the same pace. And someone, obviously, just has to step up um, to be GM. But I think because everyone's learning either a new game or, or role-playing in general, it's fine to... And it's fine, regardless of how much experience you have, to fluff a couple of rules or ignore some of the more complicated bits. Kind of like we were saying with board games, you know, pick out the bits that are interesting you, uh, interesting to you to get going. And if you find a game that's for you, you'll invest more, but your group will kind of learn it together. I think it's, it is a lot more intimidating if you've got four or five friends who have been playing D&D for 30 years and then you're stepping in to try and DM them. But I think... If those people, basically, if they're not just complete asses, they'll... No, they'll be forgiving, you know. At the end of the day, again, you're playing for fun. You're not playing as we are on mm. camera to teach people or to try and show off a game accurately, necessarily. Mm. You know, a lot of the time, if if people are forgiving, you know, they, they will help you along if they know themselves how to play. Or they'll, they're there ultimately for the fun, or most people should be there for... Mm for the fun of it yeah so it's Matt. okay to just learn as you go like don't feel intimidated by it because everyone everyone has to start somewhere you know mm, matt jarvis says don't be an ass yeah essentially get, get that on a t-shirt <laughs> just your face can I, don't can be have, an ass underneath. can i have my peach um peach flag as the picture Oh, this is from Animal Crossing. We should yeah. give context yeah. behind this. Something that wasn't mentioned on this podcast at any point. Yeah. Was it not? Oh. No, we were talking about that before we hit record. Oh, <laughs> um, I would say that, like, I I have GM'd for quite a while now, and I had never played before starting to GM. Like, I think with most groups, somebody just has to bite the bullet and just give it a go. And I, I think it seems daunting. Um, but at the end of the day, it's more about how good you are at sort of telling stories and thinking on mm. your feet than it is your comprehension of the rules. Um, if you're really worried about it, um, I would suggest picking a simpler rule system um, because oftentimes, like the the biggest sort of barrier to someone having a good time when they're playing as the GM is like they kind of have to be like the rules lawyer and remind people of how to play. Which if they're not, if they're a bit shaky on the rules themselves, that can be a really daunting position to be in. But if the rules are like a one-page RPG, then all you need to worry about is making sure that you and your friends are having a good time and that the story is interesting and, you know, you're um, pushing that along. And that's the most important skill um, when it comes to sort of telling a story with your friends. Yeah. Um, so I would focus on that more than anything. 
And on that line, you, with adventures, like, don't feel that you have to write, I think we said this before, don't feel that you have to write an entire campaign out of the mm. gate, or even that you have to write a scenario, you know, use a pre-made adventure, and then that will get you into the rhythm of being able to improvise little elements around the things that are written down in front of you, so you don't have to worry about most of it. And then once you're kind of comfortable and you've kind of got the rhythm of, okay, this is how they did this, and you know, you can then start to write your own stuff if that if that's what you want to do. Loads of people just play pre-made adventures all the time and just have a DM or GM who runs them and adds little bits here and there, little bits of flair, but doesn't mm. want to take on an entire story of their own, and that's perfectly mm. fine. I would say it entirely depends on the kind of role player you are. Like, if you are great at handling systems and rules, then yeah, like take a pre-generated campaign any day like if you're a bit more confident in you know creating a story and characters and kind of working on the fly then i would always recommend writing your own campaigns rather than relying on the pre-generated stuff because seeing like i lean more into that for example so like i love dnd don't get me wrong it's great but i really think it's misunderstood as being like a beginner's RPG and it really is not mm. like even 5e which is great it works perfectly you know well it's very efficient and compared to some of the previous editions you know it's like night and day but it's still not the easiest system to learn even for me uh, and I have more experience than maybe your average person but like handling all those rules especially as a gm can be really stressful um and i would suggest maybe starting yeah with a more relaxed rpg that has a more relaxed rule set mm. uh getting confident with that and then moving on to something else like there's so many rpgs out there uh just like have a look you know dip your toe in and then you know maybe work up to something a bit more complicated yeah, I often see people like, because, um, you know, a lot of the times we'll get tweets to the Dicebreaker account or to our personal account saying, hey, I'm going to do my first uh, D&D session as a GM. And then they show a picture of like the four books that they've bought with like the player guide and the monster manual and the D&D guide. And it's like, oh, OK, calm yeah. down, because like you're you're going to spend your whole session like flicking through those and trying to yeah. remember what everything works as. Like in contrast, you could download Lazy and Feelings, which we've played on this channel before with um, Oxbox. You could download that for free. It's a one-page PDF. You need one D6 to play, and you know you're, you're good to go. Like I would definitely try and focus on the the skill of storytelling. What what makes a good GM, rather than trying to just dive in at the deep end with a hundred different rules. Like a pre-made scenario could have all kinds of things that you yeah. have to learn and be knowledgeable yeah. on. Whereas, like if it's all coming out with your head. You know, like they they can't prove that you don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> That's my biggest tip. Yeah. Like, if so, so they can't lie. call you out. <laughs> there is, oh, what yeah. are you going to look at my notes? <laughs> There's something to that. It's like even with rules. I mean, like some people are very uh, like pernickety about rules, but half of the time, if a rule is boring or it's mm. just a pain in the bum, I'm just going to ignore it. Basically, it's mm. like there are elements of D and D or even slightly lighter things that I've played where it's like, eh, like that's just not fun. Like for, for my group and for me. So it's like, eh, just shut that out of the window or come up with an alternative. Like, mm. why not have, you know, look, on Dungeon Breaker, when Wheels, you made a disguise, I think in the first arc, 
And it's like, Johnny made you roll for that. And that's not a rule at all, but that was like a, just an element of like, we're having fun with this. Like, why not chuck a, a die and see if it's a good disguise or a bad disguise? Like, just the main thing is you're there to have fun. Mm. So just, you know, add in bits or take away bits as suits you. No one's going to come after you and be like, oh, actually on page 364, you'll find that you should have rolled a D4 instead of a D6. To clarify, that that is the exact response that I gave to Johnny. (laughs) Doesn't say I need to roll for my disguise. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, at the end of the day, I think, like, as we said, if you're not playing with people who are going to, you know, treat it like a bit of a, um, oh, here comes the noob to run. Like, most most of your friends, hopefully, will be the kind of people to be like, it's fine, don't worry about it. Like, even if they know the rules better than you, like, a lot of people I know that I play with are willing to seed on things because they think that's the more interesting mm. thing to do. And especially if there's something really complex that a new GM is not really comfortable with, just chuck it out the window. Like, the whole point of RPGs is that it's supposed to be, like, theatre of the mind. You don't need to rely on um, big, heavy textbooks to have a good time with them. Cool. All right. I will read one from Ollie P. Johnson, who says, Sagrada has been my go-to solo game. Any other ideal for lockdown games you can recommend? Which I'm kind of taking here as what board games or games have you enjoyed playing solo? Because obviously there's quite a few people out there at the moment who are, you know, quarantining by themselves. um, But that doesn't mean that you can't play board games. Mm. Mm. So uh, we do actually, we have a video on this, right? Uh, which we put up for Valentine's Day, but it's very appropriate now. And I will pull out the one that I contributed for that video, which is Ganshon Clever and Doppelzo Clever. Because I Or played... Damn That's Clever, as absolutely nobody is calling it. I don't know why that line is always like glued to my head. It's it might have been because of the amount of times I've watched you say it, to be fair. But... <laughs> nobody calls it That's Pretty Clever. That's Pretty Clever is a terrible name for a game. But Ganshon Clever, I'm sure that if you're if you're German speaking, as Lolis is, like Ganshon Clever is probably called. Yeah. <laughs> that's the name. But like that uh, yeah, I don't know. It just sounds really awkward in English to me, but I don't speak German, so maybe it's just just the same. Um, no, sounds good. But uh, yeah, Ganshon Clever is really, really good. I play most of the solo games on the app, but the app is the game. Um, I think like a lot of roll and rights are really great because you can just play them by yourselves, name for a high score. Uh, there's also you, the nice thing about roll and rights is because a lot of the time there's no interaction between players. You can just play against a video. So Jamie Stegmeier put out a video of him playing mm. what's now called Rolling Realms, which is a free roll and write he put out. Uh, and you can just play against him. You just use the same dice results he rolls to fill in your sheet. And you can see how you stack up against him, uh, which in my case was very poorly. Um, <laughs> but I think that's the, the cool thing. And, you know, if you're video chatting with friends, you can do the same thing. If you Or you can just play by yourself. So, yeah, yeah roll and rights. I was going to say roll and rights as well, actually. I haven't really been playing any games solo, I don't think, um, since we've gone into uh, isolation. But... On one of the plane, I think it was on the plane ride, either going to one of the packs or coming back, Wheels decided he wanted to ignore me for half the flight and play his Switch instead. So I ended up playing Encore, which is another roll and write alone for a while. There, to be fair, Lelys, you, you made that sound like I was being mean, but we'd played probably, what, like 16 hours of two roll and writes between those flights. I think I was I was entitled to just play some Switch for a little bit. But yeah, he abandoned me entirely. So I had to... <laughs> uh, but yeah, roll and writes, I completely agree. Um, it's mm. a good one. Also, I mean, um, when you were talking about Gloomhaven earlier, uh, like, Gloomhaven and Frosthaven are the kind of games you can play. There are solo modes, I believe. Um, mm. I don't know if you can play them solo on TTS. I would assume you can. Um, I haven't tried. 
but yeah, that does does a good one. I think one thing that like people don't realize is that pretty much every co-op game you own is basically a solo game as well. Like you can just play as if you have two two characters and mm. all that kind of stuff. I really enjoyed playing um, Set a Watch one player when when I was learning the rules for our Let's Play. Like that's that's a really fun little one that that can work with any player count because you always use the same amount of adventurers. So it's like uh, little things like that are always a, a good shout if you're looking for solo gaming. Yeah. Um... I haven't really played any games solo because I have the luxury of living with another person who's willing to play board games with me. So uh, I guess I'm going to use someone else's suggestion. Uh, again, plugging Eric Lang. Um, I asked him what he recommends people to play at the moment and he said, yeah, try out some co-op games, particularly adventure games, solo. Uh, and he actually plugged one of his own games called <laughs> Cthulhu Death May Die, um, which we actually have a review of on we the do. site. Gotta respect the hustle. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we have no affiliations. Yeah. Um, Whilst we're talking about that, make sure you tune in to Have a Bang on That, which will be yeah. out tomorrow night. <laughs> um, yeah. Have a Bang on That After Dark. <laughs> oh, Lord. Oh, God. Nobody um, wants to see no. that. <laughs> Uh, Cosmos also have uh, like choose your own adventure and mm. uh, one of the escape room. Oh yeah, exit, exit, exit the game. Exit That's, game. Yeah. yeah, I was just thinking of those. Which, there are, and unlock as well. Unlock is really good. Oh. I don't like unlock very much. I've not. Well, you're it wrong. <laughs> I just it's it's fine, but I think exit the game. I was really really impressed by. Like, yeah, I've played I haven't I haven't tried like... exit to be fair, but I think unlock is really really clever, especially mm. like there's. Obviously, there's a range of games, so some of them are going to be better than others, but I've played ones where I was like, that was really cool. <laughs> yeah, I think my main gripe with Unlock is it, it boils down, because it's got a companion app and you just put in mm-hmm. numbers, so it feels quite, although the settings change and the puzzles change, it feels kind of samey, or it felt kind of samey to me. But the nice thing is you can buy a copy, and then obviously you could play through them, then give it to a friend, yeah. and then you can yeah. chat about, oh, how did you do? Or, But the exit games are, you can only play them once because you often cut up bits, mm. uh, which I think is what also attracted me to them, because it's like you're folding things, and sometimes even using the game box itself. Yes. It's, yeah. They're really, really, really clever. They're very good. I, I have done a couple of like real-life escape rooms, and I've done some exit games, and I actually prefer exit games to real-life escape rooms. I think they're much better i feel like i'm a lot more involved um and it's funny because i like i remember when they were like kind of a thing a few years ago and i wasn't really that interested but my boyfriend got me one for christmas and i remember like being like oh no he got me one of these and then (laughs) i and then i played it and i really loved it and i've played a few since and it's uh yeah love them now so they're great i'll also mention this war of mine the board game which is based on the pc game because it's they they say it's like it can be played multiplayer, but that is very much a solo game that they've just said. Because the multiplayer mode, I think, it's been a little while since I played it. It's like, okay, there's a book of stories, pass the book around. And it's like, that's that's the extent of the multiplayer. And it's like, no, just play it by yourself. It's really good as well. There's a few choose your own adventure things like um, Legacy of Dragonheart. It's, uh, it's yeah. quite fun. Uh, the writing's pretty poor, but like it's it's in like a sort of hammy kind of like fun way. Mm. Yeah, um, there's, a, there's a little card game we have called Forests of Fate which is a choose your own adventure game which Mm. you can play multiplayer but you can easily play it single player because it's co-op so you can just choose as many characters as you want and then just like play through the game that way and it's very simple uh, but it's quaint and it has like a little companion app Um, yeah I really like that game super cheap as well from what I remember 
Here's a weird left field one just to finish off. Um, if you're missing dexterity games like I am, um, Dead of Winter Flick'em Up has a, uh. has a solo mode where you can play a dexterity game against the board and it's really weird and wonderful. Um, and it's it's not my favourite dexterity game, but it's like it's really, really cool that they've managed to make that work. Yeah, so that that's whole also game worth an investigation. Is yeah. a really weird crossover between yeah. two tabletop <laughs> universes that's actually It's the crossover good. that nobody asked for. <laughs> yeah, basically. But it's cool. I really like the fact that you just have a tower of zombies and you just yes, chuck them down the tower and they come tumbling out. It's a dice tower for hordes. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I will mention that we do also have a list on the website of solo games that are just solo games. So they're designed solely for one person that uh, Dan Jolin put together for us. And it's very good. Uh, he knows mm. his solo games. Let's finish off with a very quick one, shall we? Um, uh, who read the first one? Lowly's, you can read this one from Adrian Hurst. Adrian Hurst asks... What personal interest or general sphere of life do you think would make a great board game theme, and why? Hmm. This is a personal interest, not Mr. Blobby, which I don't think can be classed as a personal interest. <laughs> Are we talking about hobbies, then? Yeah, I think, because we've, we've mentioned before kind of licenses that we'd like to be made into RPGs or board games. I think this is kind of like, what's a, a relatively mundane activity? You know, like farming to Agricola. Or... Can I, because I, I think I mentioned this maybe once before, maybe in my intro video, but I said a fencing board game would be really cool. Mm. I was thinking fencing would actually be really, but... really um, clever. Hmm. Yeah. Um, I actually, I think, um, I know there's like dexterity games like Sabuti and stuff like that, but I think football would actually make a really interesting, I know there's American football, there's a lot of American football board games, but I think proper soccer would make like a really good um uh interesting little tactical game yeah is um, guild ball guild ball's kind of soccer or football as we call it yeah guild ball's got like football-esque rules but that's very much like a miniatures game i feel like like mm. a, a card and board would would work really well for that mm. sure. i do well i haven't done enough as i should but i do a bit of baking in my spare time uh and i've never played a game where you construct cakes or like pastries or things like that. So I'm imagining either like you have to gather certain ingredients in order to make a certain like type of bake and then you can kind of swap around certain ingredients to make different types. Or like a or like you physically build like a cake or something out of blocks. Uh and I don't know if there's some sort of dexterity element in that. I could imagine mm. there being a game like that. Maybe there is. What about a dexterity game where you get a tiny bed with like tiny bedding and you have to make the bed using only like Chopsticks. I don't know, a finger on each hand or something. <laughs> and every time you touch something your fingers get longer. <laughs> oh god. Oh lord. I mean you can just get like a doll's house bed, right? And then this is how you spend your time. I was when you were yeah, saying but... that, ladies. I was imagining, you know, when like you were a messy teenager and you just shoved everything at the bottom of your bed. I was imagining like how much stuff can you store at the bottom of your bed whilst also putting a little person in there to sleep each night. Oh, mate! <laughs> the things I used good. to, I used to have one of those like camp beds, but like the camp bed was both a wardrobe and a desk. It was like a full-on unit because I lived in such a small room when I was a An kid. Absolute unit. Yeah, an absolute Have a bang on that. <laughs> and like the stuff that I found underneath there when we finally replaced the bed. Oof. Like there were 
magazines there that were older than my parents. Like, <laughs> wow. there there were things that had been rotting down there for so long. Uh, yeah, and a Barbie with, like, silly put- putty stuck in her hair. And I'd <laughs> forgotten how that happened. But I think it was in a fit of rage. <laughs> I have a weird story like that. My brother had this... Um this tractor that you really liked and when you'd press on the button it would say like let's get to work and stuff like that <laughs> for some reason i don't know when or why but as a child i crammed a plastic lemon into it and that <laughs> lemon never came back out again <laughs> we found it one day with just this lemon stuck inside like oh yeah <laughs> what a cruel child you were Will. yeah that's me uh, oh god I think I I think I've discussed this elsewhere before, but I have always been fascinated by the idea of like a a board game based on Bollywood films and the dancing mm. in Bollywood films, because I guess kind of like fencing actually, there's like a call and response or like a back and forth between mm. two halves, where it's like traditionally like the the male love interest and the female love interest have different groups of friends and family that dance and kind of exchange that way, and so I've always really liked the idea of like an asymmetric game where you are dancing in a Bollywood film. And you're trying to either get together, maybe like Fog of Love style, you either get together at the end or you decide you're not for each other. Um, But I'd love that. And the other thing is I would like a game where you craft lyrics to hip-hop songs. Kind of like the old party game where you write one line, turn it over, and the next person writes a line. I think there is a game like that. There's a thing on Jackbox. Yeah, the the robots one. No, I think there's an actual board game. I remember uh, when I was at Essen, maybe two or three years ago, the stand next to us was... I didn't get to play, but I know one of my colleagues played, and it was something about where you had to do, like, rhymes back and forth (laughs) or something. I don't know, but it sounds very much like that game. Mm. Yeah, I feel like it could be a lot to try and just come up with rhymes on the fly and not have it be completely terrible. You'd have to judge, like, balance it very well, but... I'll I'll have to find out the name of it and send you the link. Yes. Would this game be sponsored by the Wu Tang Clan? Potentially. I mean, there was a. We didn't do a story on this in the end for reasons that maybe become clear, and the fact that there was other news. But I got a press release about a game released for 420. That's like Stoner Stoner Van, but like that was just a whatever. It's from Mondo, I think. But um, what was even stranger is there was a gameplay video featuring the RZA of the Wu Tang Clan just playing this game. <laughs> yeah, he's a, he's got eclectic tastes. Yeah, yeah, I suppose you could say that. I mean, like, yeah. I'm a big fan of the Wu Tang, but I didn't expect for a video of RZA playing this card game to arrive in my inbox. Hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's like the ultimate crossover for you. Now yeah, all was... he needs to do is like be wearing like a Dragon Ball Z outfit or something. <laughs> I mean, there's a long history of anime in hip hop, uh, mm. like a lot of anime references. Uh, I was listening to a Childish Gambino track the other day, and he referenced, uh, I think, Bardock. And I was like, oh, right, yep, sure. Anyway. I'm blank. I'm blank yeah, you've lost today. us, mate. Let's crack on. <laughs> it feels like the time to bring this podcast to an end, <laughs> just as all the audience tune Forever. Uh, but what have we got coming up on the video side of video team, or two-thirds of the video team, as you'll now be known? Well, when this was recorded... Uh, so by the time this comes out, Lawyer Up will have been will have come out, uh, which is a two player game by the same guys who made Watergate. Is it? Was it Watergate? Set a watch. No, no. it's Set a Watch. Yeah, Mike. Set a Watch. Right. 
Um, so that'll be out. That'll be interesting. We played that on TTS, and we had Judge Nana looking over us. So that's a thing. Um, we'll also have gone live <laughs> with Ellen uh, from Outside Extra, mm. and we'll have played. What are we playing again? We're oh, going to play Burger Bros. It's one of my favourite co-op games. Mm. It's amazing. It's really good. It's so good. Uh, then we've of course got Dungeon Breaker coming out tomorrow. It'll be the second episode of this arc tune in and if you haven't seen the first episode or any of the previous episodes i would recommend going back and watching some of those um otherwise this will be a bit confusing um and what else what's coming out on sunday a list i think yeah i think johnny's working on a list i i think it's um games that will ruin friendships i think Uh, that's the the core gimmick but yeah (laughs) look forward to that Excellent so when stuff. you're living in your house with your friends. Yes, <laughs> yeah, great it's, timing. It's the right yeah. time to break friendships. Well, you've got plenty of time to repair them. Uh, I, th- I think it's out the back of us playing a lot of diplomacy and being like, oh, well, like, this is really good. Mm. Uh, speaking of which, on the website, by the time you hear this, Johnny's piece on diplomacy, I'm playing it over backstabber.com, um, will be up, uh, which is a really, really good read. Um, we have, oh, Lodis, you mentioned something and it sparked something in my head and now I've forgotten what it was. Uh, never mind. Burgle Bros. Burgle Bros. Bros. That's it. Thank you. Yes. Ah. So we uh, last week, in fact, so it's already up. Uh, but we had a preview of Burgle Bros. Two um, really with Tim Fowles, the designer, and it sounds really cool. It sounds similar mm. to the first, but with some really neat little ideas. Uh, he's kind of said it's partially inspired by Legacy Games, partially inspired by Left for Dead, uh, and partially inspired. There's like Ocean's Eleven in there. There's something else that I've now forgotten, but it's kind of pulling in all these influences. Oh, Betrayal, a House on the Hill, is the other thing. Mm. So there are new finales that are kind of like the haunts in Betrayal, oh. where it's halfway through. You know, the vault might need to be. You might have to drill into it, so you have to then blow up walls, and that changes the map and things like that. It sounds mm. very cool. Um, and then Alex Meehan, you have got. An interview with one Eric Lang. Yeah, uh, we mentioned earlier. Um, yes. We, I, yeah, I chatted with Eric about Ank, uh, which is still up on Kickstarter. Uh, I think it's doing relatively well. It's over know. one and a half million, so you yeah. could you could say it's doing okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, not um, bad. So uh, yes, we've got an interview piece coming out this week, which is like a preview for the game. So. Uh, I talked to him about, you know, how it plays, like what were the inspirations behind it, and the development cycle. It was a really, really interesting interview, and um, I have to say, Eric Lang is a good chap. Um, and uh, we might have something else coming out related to that. Yes. yes. Stay tuned. Cryptic. Stay tuned. I've just had a realization, Matt Jarvis. Hello. What is the game train of the week? The game train. Game train. <laughs> don't you mean the, the game, Matt, train the... game? All about the game train. <laughs> train game of the oh, week. No. <laughs> That's Do been stuck in go... my head. So for folks who maybe just missed it on Twitter, uh, David Hayes, who kindly remixed Alex Mean's new song uh, in the last episode, also made a second remix of me saying train game of the week. Uh, which is incredibly catchy and I think is also made with everybody else's voices apart from Johnny because he was the wrong pitch. Um, But uh, we put it up on social media and it's incredibly good. Uh, And actually, not because of that, but just because it's been something I've been working on for a little while, I just put up a list of 10 10 of the best train board games Ah, to play after Ticket to Ride. Um, 
So you could say that there's not just one, not just two, but ten train games of the week this week. Wow. <laughs> spoiled for choice. Uh, You're being spoiled. But top yeah, of the list, nice. and arguably the train game of every week for me in my heart, is Railways of the World, which I absolutely adore. Uh, so if you like trains, or you like board <laughs> games, or you like both... Go check it out. It's really good. Um, I love, I love the, the thought that people who only like trains and don't like board games are listening to this podcast just so they can hear about the train games. They've sat through the Mr. Blobby chat to, to get when into When are they going to talk about steam engines? Yeah. <laughs> Tune in every week. The Blobby Express. Oh, goodness. <laughs> to hell. Doot, doot. <laughs> Uh, okay, let's let's call it there. Uh, it's b- before we lose any more listeners. We're only four episodes in. We can't. Uh, we need to build up, not immediately dismantle everything we've done. So yeah, thank you very much for joining me, uh, Wills. Hey, very welcome. Thanks for having me. And thank you for joining, Alex Meehan. It's been chaotic, but wonderful. That's really the dice the dice breaker stamp of approval. Guarantee. <laughs> <laughs> and thank you, Alex Lowlies. Thank you. And for anyone who's listening, if you have any contacts with the people who have the Mr. Blobby costume <laughs> and will let me wear it, please get in touch at hello info. Anyway, at thank you, thank you everyone for listening <laughs> and have Stop. a lovely day. <laughs> Bye. Bye.